so glad that you're here on New Year's Eve. We're about to encroach on a brand new year, and we have a whole year, the opportunity of serving and loving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to speak to you today on the subject, Resolution 2024. Now, notice I didn't say resolutions. I said resolution. Now, there's a reason for that. It seems like every year we make all these resolutions. We write them down on paper. And uh, they're often very unrealistic. And by the, the, the end of January, most of us have already failed in our resolutions. But I want to make a proposal to you. I want to propose that we, the members of the body of Christ at Carville First Baptist Church, adopt one key resolution for 2024. But now here's the, here's the key. This resolution must be visited and revisited every single day of this year, 365 days of the year. Because if we're going to keep this resolution, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So as we formulate this resolution, I think we need to ask ourselves a very important question. What is God's priority for our lives? Think about it. What is God's priority for your life and for my life? Now, we can go in many directions here. We can go in many directions and come off real spiritual. We can say, okay, I'm going to read the Bible through in 2024. Or we can say, I'm going to pray with passion and purpose. Or we can say, okay, I'm going to share the gospel at least once a week. Or we can say, I'm going to worship with the body of Christ weekly. Or or we can say, I'm going to forgive people who hurt me in this year. Or we can say, I'm going to look for ways to help people who really need help. Now, all of these are excellent responses to the question, what is God's priority for my life? But I want to suggest to you that there is one response from which all the stuff I just mentioned flows out of and speaks to in our lives. And here's that one One resolution I want us to make daily in 2024. Here it is. Are you ready? Cherish your salvation. Cherish. We just sang about it. About cherishing the cross. Cherishing our salvation. Now, as we prepare to observe the Lord's Supper today... I want to show you why this one resolution is worthy of your consideration. Take your Bible and turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And here's the thought I want to drop in your heart. You will cherish your salvation every day of 2024 if you get a firm grasp, number one, of the principle of salvation the principle or the foundation of salvation. Now, in Titus chapter 3, 
He begins that chapter by saying this, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were foolish ourselves. Can you, can you say amen to that? Was there a time in your life before you were a believer where, where you did some pretty dumb things? I know there was for me. For we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hate, hateful, hating one another. Now notice verse 4. But... Anytime you see a but in the New Testament, it's a, a contrast. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Who saved us? That was not a rhetorical question. Who saved us? He saved us, right? It says he saved, Jesus saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we see the principle of salvation and we see in verse 4 the Father's initiative. Salvation flows out of the kindness of God our Savior. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? I want you to understand, were it not for the grace and mercy of God Almighty, not a one of us would be saved. Not a one of us. Were it not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, convicting of us, us of sin and drawing us to the Lord Jesus, not one of us would be saved and on our way to heaven when we die. So we see the Father's initiative. And then we see the Son's incarnation. Look, it says his love for mankind, what? Appeared. He appeared. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, was wrapped in human flesh. He was fully God, fully man, and he came to save us from our sins. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, listen to this, four very important words in the New Testament. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He died for you. When he went to the cross, he died for you. He died for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have the gift of eternal life, so that you could be cleansed of your sin. Amen. It was through the incarnation of Jesus that God's sovereign kindness and love for mankind appeared. So in verse 5, it says, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Th those three words, he saved us, stunned me when I began to read them and study them. He saved us. Understand this, that salvation 
It's not God doing his part and you doing your part. It's not, I promise you. Salvation is God doing his part, period. End of statement. He saved us. All religious effort, our attempts to be moral, good works, personal merit amount nothing to God in his eyes. It's like filthy rags to God. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be, here it is, that the world might be saved through him. He saved us. So here's one thing we can't do, we should never do. Never trivialize your salvation. Never take your salvation for granted. Here we are today, we're coming, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper here in a few moments. And the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering today? We're remembering the fact that we were lost that we were sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And God the Father sent His only begotten Son to this planet to go to the cross of Calvary and die for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Don't trivialize your salvation. Don't take it for granted. Cherish your salvation. And you can do that if you lock into the principle of salvation or the foundation of salvation. But in this text, Paul also mentions the plan of salvation, not just the principle of salvation, but the plan of salvation. I was talking with Les before the service and and Les mentioned to me that he visited Mr. Dan Holcomb. Mr. Dan Holcomb is in heaven today. But he visited Mr. Dan Holcomb. He was 90 years old, 90 years old. And Les walked into the room and Les said, I want to read some scripture with you. And Mr. Holcomb stopped him. He said, Les, let let me share two verses that I'm memorizing. 90 years old. You know what two verses he he was memorizing? Verses four and five. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. I pray that if God allows me to live to 90 years old, I'm still memorizing scripture. So we've seen the principle of salvation. The plan of salvation now, verses 5 and 6, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
You see, God's plan of salvation includes regeneration. Notice it says, by the washing of regeneration. Now, washing literally means take a bath. I hope that you took a bath this morning or shower this morning. It would be a blessing to those sitting around you if you did. But we're not talking about a physical bath or a physical cleansing of dirt from our body. We're talking about a spiritual cleansing here. You see, every one of us are sinners. We're sinners. And we need to have forgiveness of sin. We need to be cleansed of that sin. And the Bible says that only Jesus can do that for us. So regeneration literally means to take a bath, to take a spiritual bath. It refers to being born again. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he wanted to ask him some questions? And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, Nicodemus, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be born again. That's the word regeneration. That's regeneration. It's being resurrected out of spiritual death into fresh, new spiritual life. Sam read a few moments ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. The old new things have come. How can that take place? It takes regeneration. It takes us being born again by the spirit of the living God. When the Lord saves someone, he gives them a new birth complete with a new nature. And then he mentions renewal. The plan of salvation includes regeneration. It includes renewal. Renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly. Now, I want you to understand that this amazing ongoing renewal requires our conscious submission to the Holy Spirit every single day that we live. Can I tell you this? There is no way that you'll ever be able to live the Christian life in your own power. Can't do it. There's no way that you can this this one resolution. What's going on here, man? Let me get a, a microphone. Hey, that's not those guys' fault. That's probably a short in this wire, okay? Now, you talking about something that drives me nuts? It's when I'm trying to preach and I cut in and out, okay? And so it's best if I just use this for the rest of our time together. So we'll solve that problem. So we're talking about being submitted to the Holy Spirit. You, you see, if you really want to keep this daily resolution, remember, it's not a yearly resolution. It's a daily resolution. And when it, what is that resolution? The resolution is simply this. Cherish your salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can help you cherish your salvation every single day of 2024. In Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Well, what is this power that works within us? 
It's the power, the indwelling spirit of God. I want you to understand, if you've repented of your sin and received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. Your body has become his temple. And, and you have this amazing resource of spiritual power at your fingertips so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Here's another word you'll find in this plan of salvation. It's redemption. It says he saved us. Well, how did he save us? He saved us because Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. In 1 Peter 2, 24, Peter wrote, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Do you see what he said here? He bore our sins. That's your sin and my sin. Where? In his body on the cross so that we could die to sin and live to righteousness. And that word righteousness is another part of this plan of salvation. In Titus 3, 7, the Bible says, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, justification is the gracious act of God whereby he declares a believing sinner righteous and holy before him. Not because the believing sinner did anything religious or anything worthy of God's affirmation. It's simply because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. And then finally, this plan of salvation includes a new relationship. The Bible says here in verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, when you become a part of God's family, and you become a part of God's family by receiving Jesus as your Savior and Lord, when you become a part of his family, you are made an heir of God and a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Bible says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You know what? I, I never encourage parents to try to make sure that they affirm their kid's salvation because that's the Holy Spirit's job. You can't, you can't affirm anybody's salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can confirm and affirm a person's salvation in their heart and soul. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, what? That we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, as a result of our regeneration, renewal, redemption, righteousness, and re new relationship, we are blessed with eternal hope. Listen, if you're a born-again believer, I don't care what happens in the world, you have a hope that this world can never snuff out. Never. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Oh, what a glorious salvation that God has provided for us. We've seen the principle of salvation. We've seen the plan of salvation. And I, I think you can understand how important this resolution, this one resolution that we revisit every single day of 2024 really is. And that is that we cherish our salvation. Let me tell you how to do that. Like tomorrow when you get up. And let's say you spend some time reading your Bible and pray. Here's what I want to encourage you to pray. Lord, help me by the power of the indwelling Spirit of God to cherish your salvation today. Help me to cherish this salvation that you have so mercifully and graciously provided for me. I'll tell you what, when you cherish your salvation, you know what you'll do? You'll end up having a desire to read your Bible. When you cherish your salvation, you'll have a desire to share the gospel with a lost person. When you cherish your salvation, you'll have a desire to pray. You'll have a desire to come to church and worship with the body of Christ. You'll have a desire to obey the word of the living God day in and day out in your life. I'm, I'm telling you, this one resolution affects everything that we believe and every, every way that we behave in this new year. But there's one more thing I want you to see. Yes, we've got to grasp and understand the principle of salvation, the plan of salvation. But thirdly, there is the product of salvation. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds these things are good and profitable for men. Now, Paul referred to the believer's conviction about gospel truth. That's what these things in this verse refers to. This young leader, Titus, who was leading the church, could not be hesitant or indecisive with the gospel. He had to be bold. He had to stand for the gospel, gospel truth. Michael Horton wrote, and I quote, the gospel is not good instructions. It's not a good idea. It's not good advice. The gospel is an announcement of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and we cannot mess with the gospel. We cannot waver in our belief and confidence in the gospel. One result of our salvation should be a strong conviction that the gospel is true for everyone in the world. Now, I want to repeat that. This gospel truth, the fact that God would send his son to this planet to die on the cross for our sins is true for every person in the world. The gospel is not just a Jewish gospel. The gospel is not just an American gospel. The gospel is for the entire world. 
There is no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So he mentions gospel truth here in verse 8. Then he mentions gospel fruit. Notice the challenge. To engage in good deeds. Now, this challenge to good deeds, challenge to, to allow the Spirit of God to produce good fruit in and through our lives can be found at least 14 times in First and Second Timothy and Titus. 14 times. You think God's trying to get our attention about something. You, you see, salvation is not just about you being baptized and having your name on a church roll. Salvation is not just about you saying, hey, I'm a member of Carville First Baptist Church. Salvation is about you being so enamored with Jesus and so overwhelmed by the gospel that you allow the spirit of the living God who indwells you to produce fruit in you and through you and it confirms to the world that you're a believer and it confirms to you that you are in fact who you say you are. Notice, Paul said it's good and profitable for men. In Titus 2.14, one chapter earlier, he said, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Now look at this. Zealous for good deeds. Zealous for good deeds. I want to ask you a question. In 2024, will you stand up for the truth of the gospel? Will you put yourself in a position of submission to the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit can produce much fruit in you and through you in this coming year? Day by day. Remember, it's a day by day thing. Here's what I've discovered. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, my ambition is to please the Lord. Now, listen, you've heard me say this, but it's so true. You can't please Jesus yesterday. It's gone. You can't please Jesus tomorrow. It's not here yet. The only time that you can please Jesus is today. And I want to encourage you. That's exactly what we're talking about Cherishing your salvation every single day and revisiting that in your life every single day of this new year. Only the creator God can provide a solution for our sin problem. You know, some people get the idea, well, well, uh, God wants to save us so we can go to heaven. No, no, that's not it. It's not about our location it's about our provocation. We have provoked a holy and righteous God by choosing to disobey him and dishonor him. Jesus didn't come just so you go to heaven. He came to deal with your sin problem because your sin separates you from God. Your sin, if it's left in an unforgiven state, will cause you to spend eternity separated from God in a devil's hell. That's the truth, folks. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just don't know if I'm saved or not. You know what I can't do? I can't convict a single one of you, whether you're in this room or you're watching live stream, I can't convict you of your sin. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I'm saying this, if the Holy Spirit 
is convicting you of your sin. Today would be a perfect day for you to turn in, in brokenhearted repentance to God and say, oh God, save me. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you were raised from the dead for my justification. Jesus saved me and changed me. The Bible said he saves us. Nobody else can save you. Your parent can't save you. Your child can't save you. Your friend can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And there are folks listening to my voice today. And if the truth be known, you're a sinner separated from God. And the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of your sin, drawing you to the Lord Jesus. And I want to invite you today in just a moment to come to one of our staff members. We're going to have a time of worship here before we have the Lord's Supper. And it would be a time for you to give your heart to Jesus in fact, I want to ask our worship team to come. I want to ask our staff to come. And we're going to have a time for you to respond to what God has revealed in your heart concerning this daily resolution of cherishing your salvation. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you are believers. And truth be known, you have trivialized your salvation. You've not taken your salvation seriously. And today, the Spirit of God has hammered you. The Spirit of God is saying, look, I want you to cherish your salvation. It costs the Lord Jesus dearly for you to be saved. So you come to this altar, and you bow before the Lord, and you make a recommitment of your life to Him. Maybe you're here today, and you're not saved. You come to one of our staff members, and just tell them, today, I want to be saved. I want to believe in Jesus. We'll help you with that. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home. You've not connected with the church. Come to one of our staff members and just tell them, hey, I want to become a part of Carville First Baptist Church. Hey, let me pray and we're going to worship. And you come and you do exactly what the Spirit of God's calling you to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you would so love this world, this sin-sick world, that you would send your son and that the Lord Jesus would sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary in order to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that through the Spirit's ministry, you would do an incredible work in the hearts and lives of people in this room and those watching live stream. Lord, save those who are lost. Call those who are saved to cherish their salvation and to live it out with passion and with purity. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.